Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hey, I'm Scott Pipe. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. For sure, I think if I get to drive more and more and more, uh, for sure, you know, I'm going to feel more comfortable. I nearly told him to calm down in the end. I'm like, mate, you're making me stressed. I'm stressed enough as is. In 2014, Chaz Mostert and Paul Morris won Bathurst. The race finished at almost 6.30 and 5.2 million people were watching at the end of that race. So a quarter of the Australian population watched Chaz win that race. That's a pretty you know, compelling figure to, to drop on anybody. <laughs> From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Hello race fans, welcome to Inside Supercars. Today... We are joined, uh, Craig Ravel and I are joined by Lewis Isaacs, who is now working for V8 Supercars. Uh, he's been at the test day in Sydney and is going to tell us uh, what developments have been happening in the first hit out for the new year. Lewis, good evening, boys. It's great to have you on the show and uh, congratulations on the good new gig. Everyone can read your articles now on uh, supercars.com.au. Indeed, not just .com. So, uh, yeah, it's... it's First day in the office, really, for myself, and it's um, it's a hot one to start off with, I've got to be honest, down at, at Western Sydney, uh, at Sydney Motorsport Park. There's um, been lots of running throughout the day. It's, uh, you know, we're here to test tyres, and um, we're not actually seeing too much of that this year. I think everyone's waiting for the track to cool down, but once that happens, I think, you know, you'll see some, some quick times in the afternoon. Now, we're right in believing that each of the teams for each car were given four sets of tyres, just four sets? Uh, from what I understand, it's it's something along those lines. Um, I think a few of them may have a tyre bank from last year, which they could use earlier on, just for, um, you know, baseline setups and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it's been pretty limited, which has, you know, annoyed some teams, but others haven't really been bothered by it. I guess they want to do their homework. And, um, you know... The the afternoon running will probably mostly be on that new super soft. And what uh, indications have you seen so far? Uh, would it surprise you to know that uh, Brad Jones Racing have been very quick? Right. Um, Tim Slade was fastest in the morning, and he used the, the super soft, and he's been fastest most of the afternoon as well. So he's um, he's having a good afternoon out. He's also done a lot of running. Um, Nick Perkett was also quite quick in the afternoon before his car had an engine problem. So he did a fast lap and then stopped at turn two. So that was his day effectively done. Um, other than that, it's been hard to get a read on, on who's actually been quick because they've all been running mixed programs. Mm. Yes. Has there been a requirement of when they needed to use the super soft and the soft, or is it really open slather, the teams can do whatever they like, Lewis? It's been up to themselves. So, um, Craig Lowndes was quite quick in the morning session, and he ran his tyres then because his theory was that they'd get the data in the bag and they'd go back to the older ones and, and, and work with those rather than, you know, destroy the entire set before they get to Adelaide. So that was an interesting kind of strategy to watch. Um, you know, another guy, David Reynolds, used them and then complained that the high degradation of the track basically chewed them up, so they didn't get a lot of meaningful info at that point in the day. So, it, yeah, it's, I think there's been a few that are wary. We've, we've got just under an hour left, and I think... A lot of people are waiting for the clouds to come over, but I'm doubtful it's going to happen. Mm. Now, of course, uh, Simona Di Silvestro, her first official outing as a main game permanent residence. How have you seen the development on that car? Oh, well, she 
hasn't been down the bottom, which I think a lot of people were kind of expecting, given you know her relative experience with the rest of the field. So she's just been a quiet achiever, um, put up a lot of laps, which is what you'd expect. And you know, to give her a bit of context, she tested the other week as well, so she had a reasonable understanding of the car and the new tyres and whatnot before she got here. So she's previously explained that you know these test days are as much about her adapting to the car than you know the other way around when she's trying to find the. Uh, you know, little little tweaks that might make it a bit faster. So, yeah, she's out there right now just touring. She's done a, a pretty good job, you know, to come back with no marks. And, you know, that's that's an impressive feat at this track, you know, one she's never been to. Mm. There's a good mix of uh, whole, different Holden chassis in there. OK, they're all kind of future chassis, but um, as such, um, you know, Brad Jones is there. You've got Triple Eight with a couple of cars. Dave Reynolds, a new Erebus car they built themselves. Um, then there's the Gary as well. Gary Rogers car as well. Yep. Um, so you know that's a, an indication that uh, uh, you know no brand of, of make or team is, is dominating. There, there really is a mix up. But two two sets of uh, two Falcons of each in the top ten. Yeah, it's quite mixed, and that's kind of a reflection on the field right now. Um, David Reynolds was quite quick this morning um, in his brand new car, which he shook down at the track yesterday. They had to. Uh, apply to get that done because um, the build time was, you know, just a little bit later than they would have hoped. Um, yeah, the BJR cars look very fast again, but that's kind of to be expected. You know, their whole philosophy was they won't build three new cars. They'll try to understand the tyres as best they can, um, whereas you've got Triple Eight who have built three new cars because they wanted a clean slate. And, you know, Shane's been kind of limited in the amount of running he could do today, even though they shook the car down last week. He's kind of been, uh, a lot of this second afternoon session, he's been you know, the bonnet's been up in that car. Right. Now, Alex Rullo, or Rollo, how has he gone? He seemed to be a, a solid performer in the morning session. Has that continued through the day? Yeah, I guess the biggest compliment you can pay, you know, him given his experience is that we've not really noticed him. He's just kind of toured around. He's kept it on track. He's, um, I guess, gone through his own individual program. Um, across the garage from him, they've had Aaron Russell and Matt Charter in the car. And they've kind of been switching in and out, and I guess as they work out what they're doing in terms of having the second car sorted for Clipsal. But yeah, Alex, you know, he's had a, a much quieter day than the one he had at Winton last week. And um, Cam Waters, uh, I see in the, in the morning session he was down in 25th. Did they have any car problems there? Um, I'm not quite across that one at the moment, to be honest, Tony. Um, right, OK. Yeah, the PRA boys all ran different programs, so... Right. It'll be a you know, preparation um, for this afternoon, probably. Yeah, because Chaz spent a lot of the time out of the car this afternoon as they did some big changes, whereas Brighty seemed to be in it all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm guessing it, it's something along those lines. That's the benefit of having four cars. Mm. Yes. And, and one of the things, of course, for you would be that seeing the new liveries up front. Are there, are there any standouts in terms of how good they look? Um, I think Slady's one looks pretty good. Yep. The silver looks nice on track and the, and the red pops, that's... That's really my early favourite. Um, the DJR cars look very well presented, yep. as you'd expect. And uh, the Holdsworth car, the yellow, really stands out too. And uh, thank you very much, Lewis. Uh, I hope the rest of the day pans out well. And uh, we'll come back after the break to talk to Jeff Slater about uh, becoming a race engineer and how you have to prepare for a new season. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page. And to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com. 
www.inside.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as BS Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm David Reynolds. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Craig Lavella and myself, Tony Whitlock, are joined today by Jeff Slater, a man well-credentialed in the uh, supercars paddock. Jeff, your background after born and raised in Wollongong and a doctorate in materials and mechanical engineering down there in Wollongong, you've been full-time in the business ever since. Uh, absolutely, yeah. No, it's been a, a, a great 11 or 12 years after studying at, at Wollongong Uni, and um, no, don't don't miss it for the world. Your, your career has certainly built in the right direction, as in you know the, the hard times of setting up a new team in Brytech, following that with uh, DJR trying to rebuild, and then hitting your straps when you joined Techno, and you've had a wonderful four years there, um, building to uh, second in uh, 14 in the championship with Shane, and then last year having great success in a pair of wins with McLaren being the uh, motive power for uh, the 12-hour and then uh, winning with Alton K with Will. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a struggling time at Brightech, but it was a great learning process and uh, taking it on board to the teams like DJR and then to, uh, to, to Techno um, for the last four or five years I've been there. Um, we've had some hard times, but we've also had some great times. So uh, it was great having Shane for three odd years, uh, finishing second in the championship. And last year, again, having Will was great. Uh, fell short for us. Um, we had high expectations and a top five is still a fantastic result. But uh, can you knock the, the Bathurst win? That was fantastic. There's about 20 race engineers who'd love to have your results uh, over the last four years. Um, there's a couple there, of course, who've gone one better um, in uh, winning the, the championship. But um, tell me, uh, what, what's the difference between uh, you know, preparing for a new season um, and then running through the season? What, what do you have to get ready for? Uh, besides the time factor, really there's no difference. Uh, it's hard for me to judge, having not really worked at a, a big team such as a Triple Eight or a Pro Drive. Um, I'm sure they're focused on building new cars and building new bits, but from what I've seen uh, and participated in, very small team, it's focusing on uh, the inconsistencies that you found the year before and just trying to step it up, make sure the car runs faultlessly. Again, you look for the performance bonuses, like um, you know, taking weight out of the car, trying to find more speed wherever you can. Uh, and, and that doesn't change whether it's a big team or a small team. Or Your focus is on getting as much speed out of the car as you can, it's just the amount of money that you can spend finding it. And as part of that, I mean, obviously this year that you had, as you did last year, a, a test day before the season kicks off. What's involved in getting ready for one of those test days? Uh, for a start of the year, obviously this year being the big year of a new tyre, so everyone is frantically trying to understand what the new tyre does. Uh, I can say, honestly, I don't know because I haven't seen any of the data that's been presented to all the teams, but 
what I understand, you know, there's a, a big chunk of data that they have to go through and find out you know, peak lateral grip, what the tire performance is, presses versus cambers and things like that. So right now, their main focus is just getting the most out of the tire. Um, and and it, is it the, unprecedented, the, the data that's been given by Dunlop this year? Oh, absolutely. Again, I don't know specifics because I haven't seen it myself, but what I've heard is that there's a lot of information and very useful information for all the guys to go through. And, and that would make a real difference, being able to compare that with what you've been doing over the last four or five years. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we, we know the tyre. We've been running the same tyre for the last four or five years with the car of the future. This is a big step. So we knew what we had. We knew what we could compare it to. But now it's just maximising what you can. So whoever nails it on their head uh, out of the box is going to get a, a bit of a leap for, for Clipsal and a few early rounds. In the coming days, I'm sure you'll find out sort of the things that uh, have uh, shown up with this new tyre as a result of the testing. I mean, one of the things is that from what we know is uh, that Rick Kelly was quickest down at Eastern Creek today, um, Sydney Motorsport Park, and that um, three of the top four were Fords. Um, so it's a fair indication that the aero on those cars is working pretty well. Uh, absolutely, but again, when you look at two or three of the cars up there, they're the DJR Penske cars. So uh, watching the performance over the day, you could see that when Scott was going out, you know, he was working on the plan. His times didn't deteriorate, even though you know the, the tyre deteriorates quite badly at, well, it has in the past at Sydney Motorsport Park. Yep. Um, so they were getting an understanding of what the tyre was doing, but the performance wasn't dropping off either. So it's not only the peak speed that you go for. I mean, obviously, that's great for qualifying, but for a race stint, you want the tyre to hang hang in there as long as possible. So, you know, Fabian and Scott did, did a great job finishing second and third. I know it's only a test day, but they obviously came away with a, a lot of information, and they're performing well. Yeah, and, of course, that deterioration is because of the high lateral loads at, at Sydney Motorsport Park. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, street tracks aren't as bad, so going to Clipsal... You know, you can look after your tyre a bit better, but again, it, it's a whole new ball game with a new tyre, so it'll be interesting to see what happens next weekend. And the other, of course, uh, track that has that high lateral uh, load is uh, Phillip Island, which has Absolutely. the added uh, benefit or added bonus of the high uh, uh, wear rate because of uh, some sand in the, the gravel as well. Uh, it, uh, there's a little bit of uh, dirt on the track at Phillip Island, but um, it it's a track that a driver loves, so whether the tyre deteriorates or not, they still enjoy racing there. Yeah, right. Um, and tell me, uh, what do you think would be the, the biggest change that would you put in a setup for the new tyre? Well, uh, I, again, I don't know a lot about the tyre, but maximising the performance of the tyre. I mean, I, I believe it's got a stiffer sidewall. Um, how that interacts with the car's balance, so to speak. So, you know, do you need more front grip? Do you need more rear grip? Do you need overall grip? Um, obviously, that, that's what a lot of guys will be chasing today. Okay. All right. The sidewall um, of the tyre, Jeff, is nowadays part of the damper setup. So yep. is it is it going to mean that we could see a, a lot of radical damper changes between uh, between last year's setting and this year's setting? Uh, I think a big thing is consistency. Uh, if you want to maximise the tyre, absolutely, you you would chase. I mean, even even last year and the year before, you know, the older 17-inch tyre, there was still a damping characteristic of the tyre. 
Uh, it's a different characteristic now, obviously, with a, a stiffer sidewall. So teams will be playing with damping. But as long as you can keep a consistent balance for the driver, you'll probably find more in that. And then you take the next step with your damping or your spring rates or however you're going to uh, tackle that whole damping issue. And, of course, uh, the tyre pressures, uh, as Kevin was telling us last week, uh, have remained the same, the same minimum tyre pressure of 17. Yep. So that um, while it's a, a stiffer sidewall, there won't be as much flexing. No. So, th- again, the, the, the engineers will be out there trying to figure out, are lower pressures better? Now, there's, if there's no flexing, can we stiff, you know, put more pressure in? reduce the pressure how much camber can we run is there too much camber um so there's a lot of things that will go through the engineer's mind and obviously today was the day that they went out there and tried to all. how so, quickly can you make those changes say that you want to go for the most radical camber that you can you think you can get away with with the lowest tire pressure obviously you can change your tire pressure quickly but how long does it take in a supercar to change camber from what well, i guess you're running about negative five or six uh well there's a big window so you can run from however low you want for windows for me would be i don't think you would run any lower than five or five and a half and seven to seven and a half so there's your windows that you work in changing it you could change front cambers in and rear cambers in under three minutes like they're a very quick thing to change so it's a very quick thing to get a, a gauge of its effect and tell me, um, you haven't had uh, the ability or the chance to put a lot of new new equipment or new setups, not new setups, but new parts on the car in the last few years. It's been a bit restricted in that way compared to a full factory car. Um, you have to obviously develop some bits. Can you do that, you know, that doesn't have a big budget? Can you get some pieces onto the car? I mean, absolutely, you can develop the car. And as Craig said, even things like damping. So how you would uh, control how the car moves around. I mean, we don't develop dampers, but um, being a small team, but you, you can play with the damping of the car. You can play with your spring rates. And obviously there's a, a twin spring package that everyone talks about. So there's a twin spring in the front and the rear. Finding the balance of what works in the car, what helps the car pitch, what helps the car roll. I mean, there's a lot of, of area that the engineer can work on besides designing new uprights. And the whole rear of the car is basically fixed. So understanding the front of the car. And from our point of view at Techno for the last few years, it was you know, we knew what upright we had. We knew our front geometry. We knew our rear geometry. We understood the car. There were, there were times where the car may have been out of the window, but we knew the car well enough that we could bring it back in. So consistency is the biggest thing and one thing that we had was a consistent top five car for the last four years it's because we knew the car and if we did out you know, step out of our boundary we could quite easily bring it back the next round doc it's interesting uh, i was speaking to alex rollo on inside motorsport uh, ahead of the test and he was saying the biggest change he found having uh, driven the car now the the main game car now, was the, the dual spring damper. I, I know you're going to be doing some work in the Super 2s this year. Is that going to uh, mean that you're going to have to get your head around going back to a linear damper? Oh, sorry, a linear spring? Uh, a linear spring? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, uh, the linear spring is is the easier, uh, the simpler cousin, should we say. So having a, 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 an easy understanding of what one spring does as opposed to the interaction between 
a main spring and a secondary spring or, you know, crack points and things like that. It's fantastic understanding it. And when, when you get the setup right, obviously it, it, it's great as an engineer to know that you've, you've achieved that. But coming back to, I don't want to say dumbing down, but simplifying it, especially when you've got young drivers in the Super 2, uh, whatever it's called these days, the Dunlop series, um, it just helps them. And, and the understanding of a twin spring takes a long time to, to get your head around, especially as a driver, because how you crack your throttle, how the spring falls in the rear, how it attacks the front of the car, these are all factors that they, first of all, need to have the, the basics, which is where the linear spring comes in, and then take it that next step further. During the season, you obviously can look at the results of a weekend, you know, whether it's qualifying or the race results, where you placed all those, looking at where you are in the championship and those sort of things. But how often do you actually look at the review where the team is operating? How often during the season do you actually look over the, the whole big picture? Um, ideally, after each round. I mean, you, you always um, strive for more. You come back from a round, and even if you've had two poles and two race wins, there still would have been things operationally that the team has done wrong. So you're always trying to strive better as a team or as an engineer or you know, as the mechanics. We're always looking to strive for more. So even if it's a small change after each round, we would sit down, do debriefs, think about what we've missed that round and try not to miss it for the next round or try to improve it or whatever we can. So it's not just the performance side of it. We'll analyse the team side of it as well. It's one of the very difficult things for a smaller team, isn't it? You know, the fact that you don't have as many people on the floor all the time. You can't do as many um, pit stop you know, practice and things like that because at least two of your crew were always fly-ins, weren't they? Uh, well, our crew wasn't, but our crew shared for the last few years with either Triple uh, Eight last year or DJR Penske the year before or Brad Jones the year before that. So half the team was someone else's problem. So all we could do is concentrate on our, our guys, make sure they were as quick as possible uh, and consistent as possible. Again, it comes down to consistency. You don't finish top five in the championship if everything's not running consistently. You may drop the ball, but as long as you pick it up again and and uh, can, can come out with the, the results that you want, you, 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 know, you, you can achieve what you need to. And now your year is at this stage uh, concentrating on getting ready for the um, Adelaide opening round of the Sprint Australian GT Series with Scott Taylor. You oh, have yes. any cars there? <coughs> uh, yes, so we are currently repairing the uh, car that had had the slight accident at Bathurst, and Scott's obviously got a car left over from last year, so we're running two Mercedes this year. And the drivers for those will be? Uh, Craig Baird and Scott Taylor in one car and Max Twig in another car. Okay. Um, and, and beyond that, uh, you're looking at other ventures, other other things? Uh, absolutely. I mean, they say a, a change is as good as a holiday. So right now, this year is just a, uh, effectively a holiday for me. I'm uh, chasing other avenues and seeing what comes about and yeah, enjoying life. <laughs> well, that's great to hear. I'm sure you enjoyed life last year and the year before and, and all those sort of things. Uh, it's uh, wonderful to be able to get an insight into the world of a, a race car engineer, and particularly someone who's been so successful in the uh, supercar series. So thanks very much, uh, Jeff. We'll uh, log in again with you later during the year. That sounds great. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Greg.
Best of luck, uh, Adelaide. Thank you. Cheers, mate. And that's it from uh, this segment. We'll go into a break now. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. And welcome back to Inside Supercars. We have to thank Jeff Slater for giving us that insight into the world of a race engineer in 2017. How you cope with and get ready for a new season and how you get ready to the, the hit out in Adelaide in uh, just two weeks' time. Craig, uh, it's been a fascinating day with uh, the test happening and those insights. Yeah, it has been, and uh, thanks to Lewis Isaacs there. But uh, one of the fascinating things is, of course, you mentioned on the show and you drive standards observers coming online, and there's been some changes, particularly to the redress rules that are going through in 2017. And, of course, they've been quite controversial. How how long can you, re- can you sit there waiting for redress and so on and so forth? So it... It's going to make Craig uh, Craig Baird's job a little bit harder if the drivers can't sort it out amongst themselves. He's going to have to make a decision. He won't be able to sit on the fence and see if things work themselves out after a lap or so. Yeah, well, certainly when you reflect on that, uh, that major decision of the year for Jason Barguana, which whether it resulted in anything other than the three drivers getting a penalty for their involvement in that uh, clash. It certainly will add substance to the way in which it will be managed this year and it be interesting to see in which they've actually changed it and saw that need for change. Because certainly it, it sullied a, a great event and, and, uh, and made, uh, made it uh, difficult for Techno to fully enjoy their, uh, their win. And amazing for them to actually have uh, posted those two wins in uh, 2016, a uh, 12-hour and a 1,000. Indeed. It it was a remarkable effort. And I guess the, to- the clock is started now on when that can be achieved again. There is more and more supercar teams fielding GT entries. And uh, the challenge is now set by Techno. Go out and, there and, and win both. And it would also seem far more interest from overseas as well, which creates even more competition, which is something that the GT series, you couldn't say it's ever lacked. Mm. Um, there'll be a good number of uh, teams working pretty hard now to get their cars ready for the sprint series of GTs to uh, start uh, in Adelaide in two weeks. Yeah, and that is um, a fantastic, fantastic thing to have on the program and an interesting change from Tony Quinn, who too often isn't absurd or uh, or had his mind changed about things, but uh, that was certainly one that uh, he has gone with. Now, obviously, there's still the grid, Tony, is not set. No, we're still waiting for the driver of car number... Oh, I can't remember which number it is now. It's three. 
Three, is it? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, and uh, it's very sad for, for certainly the management of LDM not to have settled their uh, second driver. Um, and a great disappointment, I imagine, for, for Matt Charter and his family that uh, the life, super licence for him hasn't come through. Mm. It, it's going to be interesting whether this is going to be lawyers at 10 paces or whether it's going to be resolved uh, resolve suitably. But it's fascinating that uh, you also have a situation where um, where Simona Di Silvestro, who's run in the FIA Formula E series for the past two years, has run two Bathurst 1000 races and doesn't have enough points to automatically qualify for a supercar's super licence from CAMS. And it it does start making you wonder about the whole process. But you've got to remember, even though she has four or five uh, Indianapolis 500 starts, that that race isn't sanctioned by the FIA. So therefore, any sort of IndyCar running doesn't get you any credits with the uh, French organising body or even the uh, subsidiaries as in CAMS. And in fact, she's got that rarity of being one of only two, I would think, women who've been on a podium in IndyCars. I mean, which has got to be, you know, if not the second, certainly in the top five of race series in the world that are competitive and and very fast tracks. Mm. And I think that's exactly what the super licence system waiver was initially intended to allow. Drivers who might be Americans, NASCAR, if you had a NASCAR driver coming in like uh, fragments, like Marcus Ambrose coming back under these things, he would need a dispensation even though he was a what was it, two, three-time champion, because in the last five years he hadn't run any FIA events that would get him the necessary points he needed to be able to qualify. Um, and this is this is exactly why they wanted to have dispensations. Obviously, the situation L- LDM has taken it in a very different... It taken it in a very different light and has raised some questions which will be answered in the, in the course of uh, the next six months. In, in fact, it's interesting because they've got the two results from a review of um, those dispensations, one going favourably and one against. So it does show that there is well and truly uh, that opportunity. One thing I just must bring up, though, is that you mentioned Marcus Ambrose. There's a wonderful interview that Greg Russ did at the CAM night, CAM's uh, recent award night, and that was uh, when Greg uh, interviewed Marcus Ambrose and showed a greater... We saw a greater insight. It's something you should try and catch up with, I imagine, if you can Google it or maybe go to the Speed Cafe site and you'll be able to see it. Well, Tony, Clipsal next week will be talking a lot about that on the show, I'm fairly confident to say. Yes, indeed. And uh, we'll come back with our final thoughts before the program ends right after this break. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie Stewart at the Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth and you're listening to Inside Supercars. And welcome back to Supercars. Craig, have uh, your final thoughts for this week's program? My final thought is that it is a shame that 
we had a closed test session this weekend. I know for the teams it was probably a lot easier than having all the fans in and around them throughout the whole day, but I think it had been so successful in the previous years. And uh, the True Colour track walk, and I still don't know what True Colour is, was it a sponsorship or is it just two words that have been put together in front of track walk? That's probably something that can be debated on another day. But I think fans went in droves to uh, to uh, Sydney Motorsport Park to see this. It was free and it's a good way of introducing people who don't know whether they'd want to come back another time. Now, I know testing is boring as batshit, but it did get people there. And if they only went there just to walk up and down and see the cars up close which hopefully brings them back in August when the race is there again. I think that was probably worth doing. However, for reasons beyond my uh, knowledge, they went with a midweek test and uh, kept the public out. Tony, I I don't know why, but I think it was a a shame and missed opportunity. Yeah, I agree with you. Having been at a good number of those early season uh, hit-outs before the uh, series starts, they have had some great crowds and... uh, uh, certainly, you know, beat up a bit of enthusiasm for a new season. But you know, there's a lot more still to happen before the uh, car rolls out in the track for the first time on Thursday, uh, Thursday fortnight. And uh, we'll look forward to doing that all again and talking about it in next week's show. So, another week of great new motorsport, Craig, and thank you. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au. Or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.